0: Welcome to Genius Leadership, Overcoming Everything podcast. Join me every week for insightful conversations with corporate, entrepreneurial, and academic leaders about their roller coaster ride to leading from the zone of genius. I'm your host, Anna Lieben. And before we kick off, let me invite you to a complimentary strategy call where during 30 minutes we work on identifying your zone of genius and lay out a plan for you to stay in that zone as much as possible. Schedule the call via link in the show notes. And for now, let's take a ride together. Hi, Genius Leader. Welcome to the show. Today, I'm going to talk to Mandy Sangira about unconscious bias, especially in tech. And before I introduce the topic, I want to make a connection to the theme in which this topic is presented in the podcast, and that is learning about yourself. So the unconscious bias part of the discussion is about learning about the things that you don't know, that you don't know. So how can you learn? How can you uh, understand and become aware of the things that you don't know? This is something that we discuss with Mandy in the the current episode. And I want you to stay alert with us. Some of the parts of the discussion are triggering. Some parts are thought-provoking. But I really hope that the overall conversation gives you hope. It gives you hope about yourself as a human being. It gives you hope about us in general as a humanity, as the whole. And I hope it gives you some practical tools on how to think, where to look for this unconscious bias, how to invite a different kind of conversation in your life, how to embrace diversity and really enjoy it and learn from it in a good way so that helps you your product development, your uh, service development, and generally how to keep evolving. So talking about my guest, Mandy Sangira, She she's an award-winning philanthropist who has been working for over three decades on human rights. She's well known and very acknowledged in that area among the global leaders. And she has helped hundreds of individuals and now reaches thousands through her social media covering the topics of human rights, the early forced marriages for both kids and people with disabilities, and a lot of other topics that are very important and close to the heart for many people. And what differentiates Monday is that she's taking action. And she's doing it a very direct way. There is no fluff in what she's talking about, but at the same time, it's very compassionate And it's very inspirational to me, at least. And I hope you'll feel that as well, this inspiration and the empathy that she feels. And those conversations will give you the, the right kind of energy, the right kind of power that you can feel that will help you go out and take this one tiny step that you can take to start creating those ripple effects, those circles in the water that together will make an impact in the world. A bit more about Mandy, she also has a generous amount of worldwide TV appearances and public speaking engagement. Among other engagements, she's been uh, speaking at the U.S. House of Representatives for three years in a row. And this year, she has been at the World Economic Forum and spoke at several side events there. Recently, she's also started joining hackathons aimed at utilizing AI Uh, artificial intelligence for the social good and this is part that we are discussing as well in the the conversation you're going to listen to that we all have this unconscious bias and now when we're creating some solutions using technology we are transferring this bias to the solutions and they are learning those systems and algorithms are learning based on our biased uh, information so we're discussing or monday suggesting how to tackle that issue, how to make sure that we can actually broaden the data set that we are teaching the systems and algorithms so that the algorithms can learn on a richer data set and make better decisions for us in the future. I really like what uh, Mandy said about working for the cause and not for the applause. And I think she's a great example of that. She's very humble and very supportive of others and she's talking a lot about sending the elevator back. When you have climbed the ladder, make it easier for the others who are coming after you. Don't try to elbow your way and and stay in that position that, that you have achieved with the hard work you're having. It helps you as well, not only the others, to put those elbows down and actually stretch out the hand to the people who haven't come as far as you. And we're discussing different ways of doing it. And one of them is mentoring and mentoring everyone can do. Everyone should be able to mentor someone else because whatever your experience, whatever your your current position right now is, you can help someone else who is further back in the journey. We also talk about how we all should be allies and we should stop working in silos and create Uh, similar solutions to solve the problem. Instead, we should link our arms and and really look for the solutions that that everyone can contribute to without duplication. I want you to pay attention to Monday's tips about mentoring, as we discussed, sending the elevator down, but also addressing your biases. And that is something that you can start doing each day. I hope you'll get some great questions to think about and to reflect on from this conversation and I hope you'll enjoy it and before we start I just want to give a quick shout out to Nastya, one of the people on my small team whom I appreciate a lot she is preparing the show notes for the episodes every week that you read maybe that is something that helps you to decide whether to download and to listen to the episode and she's also preparing a blog post from each conversation that I'm having with my guests so if you're interested in the written written parts based on these conversations, go to annelibel.com slash blog, and you'll find all those pieces that Nasty is creating based on our conversations. So as always, stay genius and enjoy the conversation. And afterwards, let me know what you think. Hi, everyone. It's Sunday afternoon for me or evening for for my guest, Mandy Sangir, but we're happy to hop on here and do a bit of work. And uh, so thank you for joining us live if you're watching live and joining us now, but also very well welcome if you're joining in replay. I'm very excited for this conversation because we're going to talk about something very important. Um, Doesn't mean that all the other topics are not important, but I think today's topic is... Lying close to the heart to a lot of people of both genders and to a lot of companies, but there are still a lot of things or enough things that are under, like not understood or unclear in, in the topic of the gender diversity and unconscious bias. So we're going to crack this code or do our best with doing that yeah. and really giving the value to you so that it's easier to think about those things and to act upon, to really get to the better world, more equal world as soon as possible. So Mandy, warmest welcome to the Genius Leadership Show. It's the first live we're doing this way. And I'm very happy that you are the guest
1: on the show. I'm really honored to be the first guest and it's really important to support and um, my fellow colleagues and, and thank you again for having me on. So really excited. So thank you. Thank you. So, Mandy, I usually start with a a question. What is
0: leadership to you and who is a leader?
1: Okay, to me, leadership is about um, making sure that I lead from the front and I have people coming up behind me because I believe anyone, regardless of where they are in the world, whatever their age, their ethnicity, their gender, they are able to become a leader. And actually, I am somebody who's done so well that actually... Because I have smashed the glass ceiling, it's become a floor for others to walk on. But I actually don't take that for granted because I'm very passionate about saying when women get to the top or when we get to the top, always send the elevator back down because that's a sign of a good leader. And also one of the things that I'm very well known for is being the woman lifting others off the sticky floor by tackling the social, the economic and all the barriers that stop, especially women, um, getting to the top. So, to me, leadership is about leading from the front, and it's some, somewhat different from being a manager because actually, I feel anyone can sort of manage, but actually, being a leader, inspiring people to grow to their full potential—that um, is what leadership means to me. Leading from the front.
0: Yeah, it's great, and I really love what you're talking about. The sending the elevator back. I'm, I'm a huge believer in that as well, and I'm trying to do my best with that even early in my business. Um, so, I think it, it actually nurtures us and it also teaches us a lot of things yeah. so it's not only about doing those for the others but it's also about humbling ourselves but yes. and learning and broadening our perspectives in different ways because when we are helping those who are maybe not as far along the way or they are in some situations that are really they bring in their finish like they they make them to stand quite some meters behind the finish line or the start line yeah it's important for us to to look at those people and to see how can we help them and how can we actually help the whole society to avoid that
1: more people are in those situations. So it's great that you are really showing the example. I think it is. And I think, you know, one of the things is when we're looking at women in leadership and we're looking at um, women, especially now, because we've seen the World Economic Forum's report that we've gone back 36 years to pandemic. And I feel like we have to lead from the front and actually look at how do we, encourage employers and other people to make sure that we have women and diversity and everyone at the table. So it is really important. So thank you again.
0: Manda, you said that you cracked that glass ceiling and we're talking uh, about the elevator. Uh, Shamala is writing great analogy of sending the elevator back down. Thank Thank you, you. Shamala. So talking about the cracking the glass ceiling, what helped you do that? And what have you learned from that process and that
1: journey of yours that you're actually trying to teach the others. It has been a very difficult long journey because it's over 30 years, 32 years now. And actually what it is, I think over a decade ago, I managed to be at the right place at the right time. And I think people say, Oh, you're really lucky, but actually I've had to work really, really hard. And there are intersectionalities that people don't realize being a woman, being a woman of color, and all those are the labels that you have. And people, um, just assume and they have these stereotypes and they have unconscious biases, which they don't always bring to the surface. So I think like for me, um I started off campaigning and that's how I started. But actually over the years, I've managed to work alongside some of the world's biggest organizations, working with the governments in the UK, setting up one of the units, which is the forced marriage unit, working with governments around the world, with the UN and other big organizations, the European Parliament. But that all came by people getting to know you. And it's very hard because when you're competing with so many other people, and also one of the things that I found really hard, and I will be very honest, is that I had women who were at the top, but they would never give you a seat because they were like holding onto that seat. So if they're on the table with the men in the boardroom, they would not allow another woman to come in. And this, we're talking, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And that was really difficult for me. And I was thinking, why are you not sort of giving everyone a chance? Why are we not looking at mentoring? And why are you not looking at uh, creating real opportunities? So one of the things that I made a very conscious decision was that I actually want to be somebody who pulls out a chair for every single woman that turns up. Even if she doesn't believe she brings something to the table, I know she brings something to the table. So I want to make sure that every woman has an opportunity To have her say she may not have everything to say at the right time but you know what I want to keep bringing her into the boardroom I want her at that table so I think that for me it was a very conscious decision that I made that I wanted to make sure that people were represented from not just gender but age and ethnicity whether they were able-bodied and disabled that everyone was able to kind of live their life to their full potential. But it has been difficult, but I've been very lucky that I have met great people that have been mentors and supporters, people like the late Kofi Annan from the UN and a lot of other really high-profile people, government ministers and people like that, who took a chance on me, who gave me opportunities, gave me opportunities which I probably would never have had to speak at places like UN, the UN women speaking, um, you know, at NASA, speaking in Congress and And I think, you know, there's been so many people that have been a part of my journey. But I've also would say to you and and, and to anyone that's listening, it's really important that we work for the cause and not the applause, that we stay hungry, but we stay humble. And I feel that that has been what I'm about is that actually my work will speak for itself. I've always worked for the cause and not the applause. And I think I've always been my authentic self. And I think people um, have brought into that. And I think your reputation, and when you are your authentic self, then people buy into that with you. Because if you don't, then I think, you know, people buy into you. So Because people buy into people. And that is something that I have learned.
0: This is brilliant. And I really love a lot of points that you have ma- mentioned now, Mandy, that I just got my notebook to, to scribble them down. Because talking about this idea that, or not the observation, that there are not enough uh, collaboration among women on the top, uh, there is a lot of research showing that, that it's, it is hard for women to climb up to get past that glass yeah. ceiling. And, and it is partly why it's still not that common that women support women. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, I see a lot of movement nowadays. I am in different networks where it is about like, elevated women, oh elevated yeah. women and so on. And it's beautiful to see those trends and it's it's very important to, to join them. And you don't have to be a woman to support those movements and to yeah. actually move, get them to where they are. Uh, trying to be so it's it's important to um, point it out to show that this is not how it should be but it's also very important to point out that it's it's changing and it's definitely a transformation that we are seeing as we speak
1: and i think i've been very blessed and very grateful for some of the women around me at the moment people like shirley zellers from the female quotient tessie uh, from luxembourg who runs a great campaign professors beyond borders and um, you you and I just think there are so many amazing women, but actually I feel like, you know, you have to sort of surround yourself with the right women. And I think you have to become the change that you want to see. And I think there are so many good networks out there and there are people who, like myself now, are in positions of power and privilege that we have to pay it forward. We can't just be holding on to those seats because actually, and I'm very passionate about the next generation. I'm kind of so passionate about making sure that young people are at that table, that they are given opportunities. The class of 2020, 2021 have been affected by the global pandemic like never before. So we have a moral responsibility to make sure that we are supporting all young people to be heard, to be seen, that they are visible. And I think that we can show them, look, if I can smash that ceiling, so can you. I've come through some of those barriers, but those, some of those things are not there no more. I mean, when I was growing up, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have all those other things that you could connect with people over the world. So it's about going back and showing people that actually you have it a little bit easier. There are, is a bit difficult because there are less jobs and more challenges a different way, but actually it's about learning from each other.
0: For sure. And that's the thing that everyone has something to bring to the table. Just because people are young, that doesn't mean that they they can't, they don't have the value to bring. They have different yeah. perspective. They, they bring their... Uh, views and perspectives on the world and that is also important for us to see us awesome. I'm saying, I'm much younger than you, but uh, it's just yeah. the thing that like, those people who are in power—it's important for them to also listen to the voices of the people who are different from them. And talking about the differences, let's let's jump into the bias, but uh, topic. But uh, I just wanted to highlight some comments that we have here. Uh, Marina Malberg is running, uh, writing. Good evening from Sweden. Grateful to know Monday. I'm dedicated to Monday-style leadership and unconditional inclusiveness. This is a beautiful. Expression, unconditional inclusiveness. And it's actually something that I'll take with me, Marina. Thanks for putting those beautiful words on how Monday is. Niti Rupa Joshi is writing, sadly, this is still the case. I think that's about the women not really uh, pushing out the chair, uh, as we discussed. Uh, That's why my sister and I have created our own table and invite other women to join us. And that's what we're talking about. There are so many initiatives nowadays that are really trying to improve the the world. So, talking about improving the world, the topic for today is unconscious bias, and especially specifically in tech. Let's talk about what is unconscious bias, uh, okay. how it's seen in the tech, and then we'll just go into actionable actionable steps. Okay.
1: So, you know, people ask me this question: "It's like Mandy, what is unconscious bias?" Because actually, I think people don't recognize it, they don't understand it sometimes, and it's something that has become like a new buzzword in the last year since the whole Black Lives Movement. But this has been here forever. So, if you think about our minds our unconscious mind you know we process like millions of things every single day and actually our um, conscious mind actually only processes a very small amount but everything else is in our unconscious mind and if people understand that they will see what I mean so when we're looking at something we have to have a split second thing where we want something so if I went on the internet and I was asking for something like shoes or something like that so I might be thinking about a pair of high heel court shoes, but actually the data might be thinking a pair of sneakers or it might be thinking of a pair of Duck Martin boots or a big pair of um, snow boots in Iceland. You know, So it, it depends on that. But what I'm going to say to you is that everyone has biases. And even though some people may say, no, I don't, I'm not like this. And sometimes it's because we've been conditioned, we've been brought up and we have been seeing things that are actually embedded in our minds And sometimes when we're looking for something, our mind brings a lot of those things to the surface. And I think for me, one of the things that I have learned over the last 30 years is, yes, I have biases and everyone has them, but actually I need to stop the stereotypes. I have to learn from those things and I have to accept people for who they are as individuals and not as a group and not assume that everyone from a particular community is that way. So Biases, it's really difficult because one of the things is that people are now sort of sleep through walking life and not realizing how dependent we are on tech. So, for instance, if I signed up on Facebook, as soon as I start searching for something, Hannah, uh, say I might say I'm looking for a red dress and what will happen is... If you ever go back within like 10, 15 minutes back in, you'll see that there's so many searches and so many sales and so many things happen. And people are saying, oh, my God, they're spying on me. No, they're not spying on you. It's the algorithms that are actually behind the system that actually is feeding that information. But one of the things that I will say to people is that what I have found really difficult is that. Tech is a part of life and it's in every single industry and it's brilliant because it's making our life so much easier. And 90-odd percent of the time it works really well, but it's that small percentage time that it makes it really difficult that when people um, may want something, but the data isn't there and it's not relevant. So I'll give you a good example. So last year, the UK Passport Office um did something where they were asking people to scan their photographs and send them in. So it recognized white males and the men, and that was fine, and their passports were getting processed. But if he was a woman of color, especially African caribbean black woman, it wouldn't recognize it. And then people had to send in their photographs, and then people challenged them. And I think the BBC or one of the news channels um, sort of did a report on this, and it realized, hang on, that actually there's this biases going on here because actually there isn't enough representation in the the company that's creating this, the company that's putting that. And we have also seen something where I think it was one of the camera companies put on a really great filter. So it would like you take a picture, but actually if you blink, it wouldn't take a photograph. So, you know, because I've got hundreds of photographs where I've blinked and I'm always blinking. And this camera would take a picture. But then with people that were Asian and people from China or Japan or somewhere, Oriental Asians, because their eyes were small, it kept thinking that their eyes were closed and it wasn't take photographs. So sometimes people don't realize that some of these biases and these things, the data that we're going into, isn't right. So people always say to me, Mandy, but I still don't understand it. So the simplest way I would say to you that it's like an engine and the data is the fuel that's being filtered in, into that so, and we have to make sure that the right fuel is going into the engine and it's really important that we um, do that. So I think that I've seen over the years is about having real diverse voices at the table in Silicon Valley and other tech companies. And it's also important that we have representation from all different backgrounds and that we have people with disabilities being able to be a part of the conversation. So one of the things that I do is I do a lot of hackathons with young people around the world. So it's really important that we get girls into coding, we get young people into tech and that we get them involved into to tech and we do hackathons and we get them involved in building and they understand the process. And when we do this, that we go all over the world to find young people. So we're not just picking the same young people from privileged backgrounds. So I think that this is one way how we may change that. Because the biases that we have in society, the stereotypes that we have, the misogyny, the racism, the sec- you know everything else, that sadly is filtering through into to, into AI and into tech, and people don't recognize it, even Google till very recently um, was asked to look for a photograph of black men and it brought pictures of, of gorillas up you know and it's shocking that that was allowed to happen. Mm. I know they apologize, but again it came down to because actually. The, the data that was going in, was doing that. And sometimes if you do something as simple to say a firefighter photograph, Anna, what do you think you're going to see if you did a Google search? Right, oh, it's a men. Yeah, but actually there are women who are firefighters as well. And if mm. you said a nurse, you're probably going to get a woman. Oh, wow. So it actually, and it kind of kind of gives back to what we are already thinking, or we think nurses should be this way, and we think men are going to be this leadership, and they're going to be strong, and women are not... So it kind of reinforces all those things. So one of the things that we have to do is that tech is great because it makes our life easier. But we also have to make sure that we have the right people putting the information in. So I think that that is one way we do that. And the other thing is in society, there is things called microaggression. I don't know if you're familiar with that term. No, actually
0: no, I'm not.
1: Okay. So microaggressions are, it's like to me, you might say to me, Mandy, where are you from? And I will say to you, I'm from England. And then you might say to me, but where are you really from, Mandy? Because in your eyes, I don't look British because British to you is somebody blonde and blue eyes, maybe. Or a redhead and, you know, green eyes or something, but not a South Asian Indian woman. So, you know, and it's those kind of things or where people will come in and say to people, God, your hair feels really nice. You would not dream of doing that, but people do that to African Caribbean people to go and say and they'll say but I'm not a racist I'm not this and it's that subtle sometimes where we are saying things to people and not thinking about the consequences on people and again we stereotype and we just assume and we judge people and I think you know when we're going into leadership these things are following us into the workplace because people so if you think about voice recognition in tech and stuff like that sometimes they may not understand the accent or the tone. And sometimes those issues are as well. So um, I mean, one good thing is like I know some companies now are not putting on the gender, they're not asking women, they're not asking you for your name, but they ask for the qualifications, they get you to answer the question. So at least you're being kind of judged on merit. Whereas previously, people would look at a CV or a resume, whatever you call it in your country around the world, because it's always called different things. People will um pick things that they are kind of in tune with so you might think "Oh, this woman oh gosh she, she says she's from Iceland oh great so I want to meet her or I could say oh here's a woman from the United States I've got friends in New York and so we automatically start thinking and being drawn to things and it's that biases that they want to stop in employment and stuff like that because we can't assume that every Asian person is going to be the same or every middle-aged woman from sweden is going to be the same as marina you know so we have to make sure that we are really diverse and inclusive and we tackle all of those discriminations and sometimes people don't even realize they have them this is the worst thing about it because if somebody will say to me but i'm not a racist and it's like but they'll say to me oh my god i didn't realize this and it's about trying to educate people because this is not about calling it's about kind of addressing people trying to educate people to say to them look we can't go around judging people because there are so many intersectionalities. There could be a woman of colour. So there could be a woman who's Asian or black, but she's a lesbian and she's got a disability. So she could have all of those. So if she was being discriminated against, she probably doesn't even know which part of this that she's not had the job. Is it because she was disabled or was it because she was a woman or was it because the person was homophobic? And it's those sorts of things that people are really struggling. And You know, even in America, when we look at some of the criminal justice system, um, you know, the algorithms are really biased because actually if they look at it, say a a young black man was in front of a judge, it's going to say, yes, this person's going to re-offend. But actually, there's no truth in that. We can't make those wide, you know, assumptions. And this is where things are really dangerous. And I think we have to sort of do a bit of a global reset. And I think we have to try and address these stereotypes. We have to try and address these by educating people, by raising awareness and actually showing people that diversity and difference is brilliant. We need it in our organisations because people bring so much to the table.
0: I want to summarize a bit because you know, you covered so yeah. many essential, essential topics and you, you can definitely see your passion, Wendy. So first yeah. of all, everyone has biases and that's okay. Yeah. That's part of us. It's part of our brain. Yeah. That's how we function. Otherwise yeah. we would not have survived. So it's fine, but it's important to be aware of that and tackle that. Yeah. And you yeah. have given great examples of how to do that. It's really about bringing different voices to the table and discussing together. So I was quite often the kind of outstanding person. I'm white and I look like people, generally people in the country where I live. So I lived in Sweden for a while and I worked there in an international company, but I was usually the youngest, the only female or one of the few females at the table and also the one or the few with international background. And that brought a lot of discussions sometimes because I would be like saying, but guys... There is this item. Have you thought about this perspective? And so on. And sometimes people were just going to push that away. Uh, and it was not only about the things that I, as a woman, think about, but it was also about my international background. So I maybe knew some things that they'd never thought about because of living in a different country, like the change in time zones, for example, when I was working with the cars and in infotainment system. And we were discussing the system how to automatically change the, the time in the car when you go over to the daylight saving. And I said, not everyone in the world has it. And the Swedes couldn't get it. Like, what do you mean not everyone has it? And then we go to Wikipedia. I open the list of the countries who don't do it. And it's a long list. list. Yeah, So it's very important to bring those different voices and really give them the space and the stage. And that's what you're talking about so much, how you actually do that.
1: And I think, you know, one of the things is, because I'm very passionate about learning from other people, because when you think you know everything, then you're in the wrong room. yeah? Yeah, because you really are. And, and when you think you're the loudest voice and the right voice in the room, then you're definitely the wrong person in that room because actually we're always learning. I'm learning things all the time. I'm also learning a lot from the next generation because I'm learning about some of the challenges that they are having. And, you know, they might be growing up behind a computer and they've grown up a different generation, but it's really difficult because they are lacking some of the social skills that you and I may have had. They struggle To have face-to-face relationships with people sometimes. And I have to try and educate like nieces and nephews and friends, children, to say, look, some of those relationships online are not always um, the best. And you've got to be really careful. So when you're putting things out on Snapchat or these things and you think, oh, well, it's out there, it's now been deleted, but you're putting things out to the cloud and people don't realise their safety, they don't realise the consequences of what they put out there. Because I always say to people, would you really share that? In public, in real life, and they're like, "No, I wouldn't. Never do that. No way." So I say, "Why would you do it online?" And I think people don't think about some of those things. People say a lot of things online, which they may not do face to face. So it is about trying to educate people and older people, must people my age group, to learn from to say, "No, we can't do this." And I think it's really important. And and again, when we come back to leadership and we come back to Getting women into the workplace, um, you know, because to me, um, I've seen women my age group who probably want to change careers and they want to get into tech or they want to get into IT or something, and they have now been facing ASISm. So whereas a young person struggling to get into into a company, whereas a woman who might think actually, do you know, what I've been a nurse, I don't want to do this. I now want to go in and do something in tech because I love it, and she's not been given that opportunity. And it's really important that we um, address these issues globally and try to upskill people because we have to look at the person will bring a lot of life experience, they will bring knowledge, they will have real life experience from work, they will be able to tell us about society. So I think that, you know, as employers or anyone in leadership, that we are open-minded and that we are able to bring people to the table and celebrate difference.
0: For sure. And I wanted to actually give an example of one of my previous employers, what they've done with bringing light to the unconscious bias. Uh, the idea is that like when you don't know that something exists, it's difficult for you to think about being that. And that is about the professions. You mentioned the firefighters. If you Google that for their pictures, then you will get mostly the male firefighters pictures. And the same about the nurse, that it will be mainly women. And they have realized that, and they actually have built an add on for the like a, an extension for the browser. And yeah. that one would filter. So, if you look for some profession, it would actually give you 50 50% of yeah. uh, based on gender uh, of pictures as a result. And for them, there was a very important part to show the youth, the people who are still in the high school or the university, that hey, there are women. In leadership positions. There are yes. female firefighters. Hey, if you want to be a nurse and you're a guy, it's fine. Here you go, the pictures of others who exist, yeah. they exist, yeah. and you can be that. So this is one of the examples of how to fight the unconscious bias. Try to look for the exceptions from what you think is norm. Yeah. Look for those examples and use the technology, use Google because there are so many answers there and there is so much data. Oh yeah.
1: So look for that. Like, okay, does this exist? Yeah, uh, yep. Sorry. And I think, you know, you just made a really valid point about like Google and about images, but actually you could take it even further. There are so many other things that you can do. So like with young people, because they need to start creating the content. Sorry, I'll let you carry on there because like the content that you're kind of creating, so like you knew about time and like you said, you knew different things. So your knowledge was really, um, you know, key to this organization with the cars. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, we should not brush people off. And this is the thing where I think we're very quick to sort of, like, write people off and not give them an opportunity because we just think they don't fit into our organisation. Sorry. No, 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 go. Carry on, please. Yeah. So, I mean, I was just going to, because one of the things that I have also seen that really um, has been quite difficult for other people to sort of, women have been paid 23.4% less than men previously. So this is before the pandemic. So that's got worse. We have seen women juggling multiple roles during the pandemic right now. So, where women have become teachers, and I know you've got young family, and then you're caring for young people, you're trying to manage your career, your job. And some people have been able to work from home, but actually, globally, it's been really difficult. And a lot of women that were self employed that had their own businesses now have lost their businesses and they don't have the capital to rebuild again and to do that again. So, it's really difficult. So, I think that when we look at this, these women who were once in leaderships for their own companies that had all these skills, that were willing to take risk and were able to do this thing, that actually organizations look to give these women opportunities. And again, like so all these algorithms and everything else that we're putting out there, that we kind of tackle some of the sexism and the misogyny that is already out there to say, well, hang on, women can be leaders, women can run their own companies, women can be millionaires, women can be this... And it's about changing mindsets. And in some countries, sadly, you know, in like the global south, in the MENA region and other countries, things are getting a bit better. But actually still, we're still fighting priority. And where men still run the household and women are not given choices, girls are not allowed in an education as soon as she starts her period. And we know like, you know, 65 million young women are victims of early child forced marriage. So there are so many issues that we need to address globally.
0: And I, I think it's important to point out how people can can help with those issues because that's what I see with the leaders whom I'm coaching, for example, with whom I work with. They 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 want to contribute, they want to change the things, but they look so huge, those things. And the leaders think that, okay, I need to like fix it now and see the results that it's the, the problem is gone. And that's not the case. We all can create some ripple effects and yeah. those ripple effects, they will become bigger and they will make a difference. And that is important to really uh, have as an exercise. What is the issue that your, your heart hurts about? And think about how can I do the tiny little thing today that might change something, just not even, not even the whole life, but a day or a week or a year of experience for one other person yeah think about it in those small terms to not become overwhelmed to not really step out because you feel like it's too big for me to handle who am I to tackle that issue think about what is the tiniest thing that I can do today or this week
1: to just really get going yeah so for me And I think for me, I've been very lucky that I found my life purpose, which is also finding my passion over 30 years ago about making a difference and living a life of impact and making a difference to people and being a voice for the voiceless by helping the helpless and, you know, by being selfless myself. And I think it's really important that you become the change that you want to see. But not everyone is in a position of privilege as I am. So actually, you know, I took risk, I, you know, invested, I did whatever, and I was able to then go off and live a life that I wanted to make a difference. So as I said earlier, I'm one of the founders of the UK forced marriage unit. And people will think, well, actually, you're living in the UK. Why is this like an issue, child marriage and things an issue? But the thing is, we have migrants, we have people from Asia, from, you know, the Middle East and other countries who hold on to these practices. And we're trying to educate to say, no, we can't carry on with this. You can't do these things. There's no place for this. So we founded this unit over 15 years ago, and it is one of the only units in the world still. But then working with the UN and working with Girls Not Brides and all those other organizations who are tackling this issue. So what it is, you have to work together. You can't do some things in isolation and you have to stop the duplication. And sadly, what's happening is that People are fighting for the same amount of money. They're all sort of like organizations trying to want to survive, and it makes it very difficult. But I think for me, it's always been about the cause, and it's been really important that girls are educated. They are, you know, empowered to make choices because a 12-year-old should not be a mum. That 11-year-old should not be married off, or a 7-8-year-old should be married off to be a bride because her body is not ready to be a mum. And, you know, this is child abuse and we have to educate the community. And you made a point earlier at the beginning about men being a part of the solution because men are feminists; They have to buy in and become the he for she and be a part of that movement and empower women and make sure that women have a seat at the table and make sure that women voices are heard. And if they're hiring in tech companies, that they are hiring diverse women and young people with disabilities or people of colour. To really reflect the community that we live in the world that we live in because the world is so diverse the world would be so boring if we were all the same and we should you know celebrate diversity and put away our prejudice and our things because i have done some work um in person with young people who have been in gangs and things like that and they've been in rival gangs and it's about bringing them together and you know They have a lot of shared interest when you think about it, because it's lack of opportunity. They don't have money sometimes because they've grown up in deprivation. They've grown up with single parent families. And, you know, so they've gone into the wrong side of the door. And it's about bringing people back to some of the basic humanity, you know, values about caring and sharing and trying to support each other and to show them that actually going into prison is not, you know, a badge of honour. You really don't want to be going down that route. So let's look at trying to support you. So in England, we have great organisations organization, um, like the Princess Trust, which is run by Prince Charles himself. And then we have the Duke of Edinburgh Award as well, which they, Prince Philip ran. But the Princess Trust is amazing. So they recognise that academia is not for everyone. So what they do is help young people learn life skills. They can help them to set up their own businesses. They give them free loans and things. And I think it's about those sort of organizations where you and I can mentor and empower young people and give people real opportunities. So like recently, we did um, some hackathons and I did one in New York in CUNY, the university, and also um, with teens in AI with Elena. We went into 25 countries. Some of the countries were like Syria, Palestine and Ethiopia into Kuwait and countries where you would not expect young people to be coding and especially young girls. So I think that, you know, we have to be the change we want to see. We have to make sure that young people are given real opportunities and given the opportunities to try these things. So like even in India and Pakistan, the young people were running the hackathons themselves. They were learning leadership skills. They were learning about coding. They were learning about pitching their ideas, looking at finance. And these are the kind of skills that we want to teach young people, because sometimes when you think about some of the things that you learned at school, really, how useful were some of those things that we learned at school? I mean, in England, you know, when you think about some of the things that you've been taught and you're thinking, how useful was that in my life, really? Because actually, you know, I've never used any of this in my real life. And I think, you know, the education system around the world needs to be looked at. And that's the same thing that comes back into the data. We put in repetitive, the same thing, and then we want different results. But that's madness, like Einstein said. So it's really important that we look at diversity, look at inclusion, and that we are aware of our biases and our stereotypes that we can hold, and that we are able to address them and challenge ourselves as well. And sometimes... Um, you know, we do things not even in a bad way and sometimes we just want to be kind and we might do something. So we might see an older person or we might see somebody with a disability and we want to help them and think, oh, it's, because it's our instinct to do something. But actually, they might feel very promoted, independent to be able to cross the road on their own. They don't need me to help them because they do it every day themselves without me. And sometimes somebody may need my help. So I think it's about us just being aware of our actions on people. And be prepared to challenge ourselves. But the most important is that we educate ourselves. It's a very
0: humbling experience. I know it from myself, Mandy. That I'm uh, I'm sometimes catching myself on those biases when I when I go around the st- like on the street and I and I see someone and I die by just by their looks somehow whether it's their appearance or their clothes or whatever I have less trust to them directly or not yeah. trust but something, and it's. It's very humbling to realize it and think, oh, some of my background is coming up here, some of the stereotypes, and and then it's just you you don't have to directly go and hug that person just because you've realized it and you're like, oh, maybe that's not the right thing to think. It's not about that, but it's about really being aware about those thoughts of yours and thinking how are they affecting my decisions in my life, how are they affecting my leadership decisions in my work if I'm leading the others in the organization. Just really watch your thoughts. And for me, personally, meditation has helped a lot with being able to step out of my head this way and realize those thoughts, observe them. So for you, it might be something different to your listener or viewer, but really find the way of your, for yourself to step out of your mind and think and think or look at that from this from the side and think, what here might limit me? Yep. Because biases, when they are unconscious and unaddressed, they limit us.
1: Yeah. They do. And I think that's a really great way that you've just said that. But for me, one of the things that I have learned is that I have to be the change that I want to see. And I will treat people how I want to be treated. So if I want to be treated with respect, I will give everyone respect unless they prove to me otherwise. But I always try and judge everyone with an open mind and give everyone a chance. And because that's what I believe in doing. But like I said to you, sometimes It's just our instinct and and things in the back of our head come to the surface. But then again, it's about being upfront and honest to admit it and say, look, I'm really sorry, I've made a mistake here. And actually, you know, you are really human and we can address these issues. So like for me right now, trying to educate young people about certain things, I don't understand some of the things that they're facing. I don't always understand some of the challenges that they are facing and and the other thing is when people are going through mental health or something like that, that affects one in four people. And we're saying to somebody, snap out of it, you'll be fine. You know, what, what's wrong with you? you? know, I've done this and I've gone through worse. You don't know because not everyone is as resilient as you. And I think it comes back to the basic human values that we hold across the world about showing empathy and showing compassion, treating people with respect. Because those values, wherever you are in the world, are the same. And if we bring those to the surface and that we don't judge people based on the skin color or their gender or their age or their able bodied or their, you know, their gender, we need to really call people out and address those. And I think one of the things that I have seen is people will do things and they follow people, even though they know it's wrong in a culture, in an organization. Sometimes you have to call things out and say to them, no, this is not acceptable you know, it's not acceptable for a boss to make sexist jokes. And then if you're sitting there and being a bystander, then you're just complicit, as, as guilty as that person. And it is about calling out wrongdoings. It's really important that you feel confident enough and assertive enough to actually address those issues because that's the way that it has to be. Because like to me, I don't just talk the talk, I actually walk the walk as well. And I really step up and do that. And I practice what I preach. And and one of the things that I'm also very good at is that actually I'm big and ugly enough to put my hands up and say, I'm sorry, I made a mistake here. And a lot of people will not own their mistakes. They will not own what they their biases. They won't um accept that they have stereotypes and things. And I think, you know, we have we are all human, but we can, you know, take small steps, like you said, Anna.
0: Yeah, i I think it's very important to highlight how people can step up and and talk about the things that are not okay around because it takes bravery. But I yeah. think for me, it's, a, it's not a, it's always an easy thing to do, but it's a very simple thing once you have defined your values. This yeah. is something that I do with a lot of my clients, really going through the values. And it's not some kind of fluffy words that they just do for the sake of doing them with me and then we we'll go on. No, really nail it down to what is super meaningful to them And then we also make sure that they get into habit of thinking about those words daily on many times per day, because this is the way how you can actually start acting. When you feel like you're out of alignment because you're watching your boss making some inappropriate comments, and you're just standing there and thinking, should I comment or not? Think about your words. Is just standing here, keeping silent, worth? that to feel like I'm not aligned with the ultimate best version of how I want to be as a human being. And it will not happen from day one. It's, it's a process. It's a learning process. But as long as, as, though you, as you're reflecting on those things, you get re- yourself reminded uh, by yourself. Yeah. You, re- re- you reflect on those things in the evening when journaling and thinking about your day, summarizing it, it gets into the habit. And you, you create some new path in your brain to think about, yeah, there is another way of doing this. I can yeah. actually step up here and it's not yeah. the whole world. Even if this yeah. manager is, uh, is, this boss is my manager and they have a say in my career, my career can go better off if I stand yeah. for my values.
1: You do. And I think, you know, like me and you, we follow our passion and we're following our life purpose of finding our why and we found what we're about and want to make a difference in the world. And we have to lead from the front. Like I said to you, when you asked me the question, what is leadership? It is about leading from the front. So if I was being a hypocrite and actually not practicing what I was saying to you, so I was in an office with you as a senior manager, but our chief exec was making inappropriate comments to you. And then I'm out here being a feminist and I'm saying this, but I wasn't practicing that. And then you as one of the new young people in the company will be thinking, hang on, she's not really feminist. She's really not a she for she, because actually she's allowing me to be harassed and be abused in the workplace and she is not doing anything about it. So I think, like you said, we have a responsibility because companies have laws, companies have policies and procedures everywhere in the world. You know, some countries, you know, they probably aren't as good, but in places like the UK and Iceland and America and other countries, we have laws and we have legislation to protect people and we should not have to put up with harassment and abuse in the workplace just because of our gender, our colour, our ethnicity, our you know, whatever, we should not be allowed to do that. So it's really important that we call it out for what it is. Yeah. And
0: um if you if you feel like you catch yourself on the, the things like I didn't speak up in this situation, I didn't really step in when I needed to, uh don't beat yourself up and don't think that you're you're just The bad human and it's going to be forever. It's a process and we all have our bad days. We all have our moments when we are too occupied with ourselves, for example, or something is going on in our private life and we just don't have enough capacity to pay attention to the what's going on around us or don't have enough energy to step up. It's all good. But think about it, reflect, take your learnings from that and also talk about that. That's what I see as well from my clients that they talk a lot about how it's, how good it is to come to someone who is completely independent who doesn't have a say in their salary uh, or career path or whatever or who they don't sleep with and just discuss the things and discuss the concerns because that really like speaking up or speaking out about those thoughts that you have like oh here i was not i was out of alignment with my values in this situation yeah. and just just being able to talk through that and starting creating this other alternative scenario how we could behave in next time it happens and we are observant and we want to actually step in so it, it's very powerful to f- find maybe some uh, some friend of yours some colleague someone outside of uh, of, of those closest environments of for yeah. you um whether it's a paid coach or or, or is someone really like discussion at the dinner table but talk about those
1: things it's so yeah. important and i think you made a really really valid point it's about um, allyship. So you don't have to be a woman of colour to be an ally. You and I don't need to be lesbians to be allies to the LGBTQI community. I don't, don't need to have a disability to be an ally to stand up for people with disability to promote their rights. So I think anyone can be an ally for anyone who is a marginalised group or a person, uh, you know, that is being excluded based on something that, you know, doesn't seem the norm. And I think that we all have a role to play and we can all be allies. And even if it's hard for us to do, when you do it and you'd be surprised there will be other people who would be willing to support you. And
0: being brave and taking this first step can be a huge example for the others. I've had it as a person on the receiving side and also as an observer of those situations when someone steps up, takes this first step, and then others, just as you said, they join. Because they didn't have enough bravery to do the first step, but yeah. they, they they were thoughtful about that. They have been spending their energy on thinking about this issue, but they just didn't have this enough push to take this first step. But then they saw yeah. you taking that first step and suddenly you're not alone standing there and speaking up, but you're 10 people. Yeah. So it's so uplifting to be this first person, just as you said, That's that's what leadership is about, walking the talk and being in the front, right? But that's yeah. the thing if you're leading from your heart, you, you'll never be alone. You're not going to be walking alone. You'll never. always have people behind you and alongside with you and you're going to be able
1: to do more together. Yep, 100%,
0: 100%. I want to uh, give a, another reflection that, I came, that came to my mind before we start wrapping up. Uh, it's coming from my experience with, uh, I used to, or I organized some exchange program for Ukrainian youth. I'm originally from Ukraine. Uh, When I was still in Sweden, uh, we got a small group of uh, uh, journalists and activists coming to uh, Sweden for a week full of uh, education about the gender equality, because we wanted them to start highlighting gender issues and equality issues in the right way in the media in Ukraine. And one of the learnings that stuck with me from one of the journalists who was in the program, she said, I've realized that it's a it's a long journey because we have one of the people with whom we talked. She has been an activist or in gender equality since the 80s. And it was 2018, it was Sweden. They like this, the participants of our program they thought that like Sweden is done. <laughs>
1: yeah. They're like,
0: they've, they've reached the peak because they're one of the top countries in the world on the matter. And she said, I looked at Maria and she's been doing this for 40 years and and these guys were in early 20s, the program participants. And she's like, I understand. I understood that I'm not going to be done in a year. And she was reflecting that a lot during the week. She's like, I need to really get ready for a long run. It's not a sprint. And I'll just write a couple of pieces of articles to spread them around. And that's it. It's, it's, it's going to be a battle. And maybe I won't even see the whole results of it. Just as you said, um, The the data is showing that with with the development right now, the gender equality will reach in one hundred thirty six years. No one of us will be living then. But it's a very empowering realization to actually think about it. Like, I don't need to wait for quick results, but I want to contribute to that one hundred thirty six number get over. Yes.
1: And that's what we all can do, a little bit a little bit for it. It's like the climate change. People are saying, but what am I going to do? But if you take some more actions by, like to me, I became vegan over 18 months ago. So my carbon footprint, but actually I traveled a lot. But then I realized, hang on, I can use trains. Why am I getting flights from Washington to New York when I can do a, an Amtrak? So there are conscious decisions that you do and you don't buy as much. And I think the pandemic has shown me more than ever that I don't need as much. And I think it's made people think in a very different way. And it's all those little steps that you can do instead of running water all the time and you're just running a tap when you're brushing your teeth and things like that. You know, we all can do our little bit for climate. And if we did the same for gender equality by giving a woman a seat at the table, by upskilling a woman, giving her opportunities, by mentoring a woman, by funding and supporting a woman's initiative and her, her business, by giving her a chance and believing in her, is the only way that we're going to make that change. And like you said, it's those little steps because we, like you, we will not be here to see it in 136 years. But however, I'd like to be a part of the solution. I would like to say that actually I did my little bit to try and make that difference. Yeah. And
0: dear uh, listeners and viewers, here, here you go just, uh, just now, Mandy gave you at least five different ways how you can support and do your little bit to support and to, as, to make it quicker with the, reaching the gender equality. Uh, I want to quickly name the uh, uh, the comments that we have here. Marina wrote, yeah. now it's covering our faces, but one of the greatest, greatest stereotypes of our time is a situation of dependent expert spouses and repatriates. Women yeah. who were not allowed to work by national laws of Asian, African and Latin American countries are forced into lifelong dependency, which for many last in the U- UK and the US being labeled luxury class, women intercultural talents end up alienated socially and professionally. Even in COVID, there is no support nor solution. And I, I can just agree with that. I, I had a friend who who came to her uh, Swedish spouse from Ukraine, and she was not allowed to work for one and a half years while waiting for her uh, permit, which was ridiculous because she was highly educated. Uh, Economist, and she was really willing to to work, and she was she's super ambitious woman, but she was just sitting home, and she she was going nuts, and and that's not a healthy situation, and it's a lose for the country as well because they're losing the huge like, tapping into huge potential, and yeah. it's it's good to, to highlight that Maria Marina that it's still happening, and it's yeah. not only the. Uh, Less developed countries that are going for that. We have it in the most civilized and the most gender equal. even, even Even
1: the UK, because we have no recourse to public funds and things like that. People fall into that trap where they come on a spouse visa or they've come here through a different system and aren't able to work. And like you said, they're overly qualified and we need to be using people. And it's really important to do that.
0: So here's another comment, Shamala Rose, the situation you describe, Anna, well, I have been on the receiving side, and I think that's related to me seeing someone on the street and having less trust, so uh, how I am tackling my own uh, biases, unconscious biases, uh, but have responded with kindness instead. I try to put myself into other person's shoes. And Shamala, this is a very powerful thing to do, to put yourself in the other people's shoes, and you, by no means can you ever completely understand what they go through, but I keep repeating my favorite mantra that we all do the best we can with what we have. Yeah. And whenever we meet something that we just can't agree to, we can remind ourselves this and then think, how can I actually help this person uh, yeah. do better and have more so that their what they have is becoming richer and then they can do better with that.
1: Exactly. And we have to be the change that we want to see. And I think you know, we're in the decade for action to achieve the UN Sustainable Development Goals for 2030. And we have to really work in partnership. My battery's about to die, sorry. Um, And, you know, it's really important that we um address those issues globally to try and do that. And
0: here Marina is responding that Sweden has huge biases and problems with gender equality. It doesn't exist for foreigners. Malmö has uh Uh, 11% of unemployment and women with a master degree from abroad on average look for the first permanent employment for 14 years. Uh, And Marina is saying that I was very lucky. And I'm uh, absolutely aware of that, that I have had an easy path for sure. And I'm forever grateful for that. And I never take it for granted. And I try to change the situation and use this luck of mine or whatever you call it uh, to, to really send the elevator down. Uh, just as Mandy said in the beginning. Uh, Mandy, I would like to quickly wrap up with three questions. First one is uh, three pieces of advice, and it can be about anything, whether it's related to the topic, summarizing what we've discussed, or anything else to our listeners and viewers.
1: Okay. So to me, if you're in a position to mentor somebody, please do that. It's really important that we pay it forward. And if you, like me, have made it to the top, please send the elevator back down. And also, you know what? We all have biases, but be aware of them and be prepared to challenge yourself and, you know, call yourself out on things, because if it's not right, it's not right. Don't just turn a blind eye to it. It's really important that you step up and address those biases that you have. Yes, thank you so much.
0: And uh, one practical, actionable step that our genius leaders tuning in can take already today after viewing or listening.
1: Okay. I would say to you, look, that, you know, we're in the middle of a a pandemic, but look at it as an opportunity. Don't look at it as a negative, because actually there are great things that are happening. Please feel free to follow me on LinkedIn, because there's a lot of free events that are happening all the time. To me, I think that, you know, the pandemic has made the world even smaller by doing things on Zoom and all these other platforms. We are being able to bring people together, have conversations, unite the world. And it's really important that we continue to do that. And also, um, you know, if you're in a position to help somebody, please do that. It's really important. So that would be my practical advice to people.
0: So see the beauty in, in the tough situation that we're going through. And also
1: yeah, find someone
0: really who to mentor. It. Every single person of us can mentor someone, whether it's a youth, whether it's someone yeah. in our workplace or whatever in our community. So look for that person today and reach out to them and say, hey,
1: what kind of support can I give to you? Yeah, exactly. hundred percent. And what's the worst I can say is no to you because it wasn't for you, but keep looking. Do not take rejection personal
0: yes this is something that i also have to coach my my clients around like if 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 you get a no it's never about you it's mostly about the person whether they have no resources or or it's not a good match or whatever so never take it personally and uh, no it's just learning for you as well yeah so mandy if people want to get more of of you getting connected to you your dimensions is this the best way
1: on linkedin and twitter is the best way to do that and i will follow up and um you know, I'm always doing events and I really want people to join us. I'm doing um, a European regional dinner, which is um, with female quotients. And it's brilliant. We're bringing women from together around the world together and we're doing the European dinner. So we're getting people um, coming together. People are bringing their 10 friends and we're you know trying to bring the world together to address all those issues around leadership, about equality. And it's a great conversation. And I feel like if people want to join, please follow us and be a part of that movement as well there are so many great things that are going on because Mm -hmm. um, next week I'm also doing something in the finance sector around and they're doing a virtual job fair for people as well um, the power to fly and there are some great things that are happening so I think that you know what if you're not sure where you want to go in your life in a career you know have a conversation with somebody else in the industry that they are so for instance if I wanted to go into tech I would look out for my friends who were in the tech industry and say, well, what's it really like? Is it, you know, for somebody who wants to change their career, how much data and stuff do I need to learn? I mean, I'm the worst on Excel and stuff like that, honestly. So, you know, but actually I got into tech around tackling the biases. I got into making sure that the right information was going into, into our AI, and into our tech and into our algorithm. So, you know what, there's always a role And it's about being innovative and creative, moving with the times. What worked 30 years ago doesn't work today. What worked 20 years ago doesn't work. What worked 10 years ago doesn't work. And what happened 10 months ago doesn't happen now because we're in a very different world altogether. So I think keep involving, keep moving forward and, you know, learn from the past, but actually always look forward and always... Treat everyone the way that you want to be treated is my advice to everyone. And thank you again, Anna. It's been great to be your first guest on your um, podcast as well. So thank you. And um, I'll connect you to some people that I think you really need to interview. So yeah. Mm. Okay. But, um, yeah, I,
0: absolutely. Yeah. I will I'll be happy to get to the tips of you. I see yeah. some uh, uh, thanks as well here in the comments. Marina is uh, writing. I'm very grateful for this conversation, meeting two passionate, supportive female leaders. And thank you for sending the elevators down. we we'll all need to do it. Youth is our hope for a brighter future. And Shamala is writing, thanks, Anna and Mandy, a great conversation, thought provoking. Uh, I'm very grateful to you, Mandy, for finding time. I know how busy you are with all the no, beautiful you. events that you're running or joining uh, as the guest. And uh, thank you everyone for joining and uh, finding some time in, in your day uh, because I know that we're all busy. So I appreciate you all. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Genius Leadership. If you enjoyed the conversation, hit the subscribe button to not miss an episode. And to help more people become even better leaders, rate and review our podcast and share it with your communities. Remember, I'm always here for you, and I'm happy to connect with you on LinkedIn or via email or hope on a strategy call. Genius Leadership is an honest conversation about leading yourself and others. And it's my honor to be your guide in overcoming everything.